Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download our Zion Lutheran Church app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the Breakthrough Breakdown. Welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. I'm Jason. This is Kate. This is John. Jennifer. All right, so we are in our final week of Testify. Can I get a witness? Testify. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and we've been talking about the story. Okay, so so uh, we had the Doran Camp's testimony and video last week, which was, will be online. So if you're listening and you didn't get a chance, you can listen to the message and check out the Doran Camp's testimony video. We had the Lester's week before that. Unfortunately, no message. Uh, there were recording issues. However, mm-hmm. we got the most important part, which was the testimony from the Lester's and the work that God did to save their marriage. And then this week, we have Jim Brueggemann, a good friend of mine, who... Um, God has done some pretty remarkable things. You guys haven't seen the video yet, so no one here can talk about it but me. Uh, but he is also getting baptized. And we're doing our first full immersion baptism during a Sunday morning apart from the park. The inside the dock. dock. I mean, not in the inside dock. Also the, the dock. dock. It might be inside the dock. Inside the dock. All right. So this week we were, we're finishing up our testimony, our Testify series. And we started off with, would you rather? Okay, so... How did you guys? Are you old enough to remember the Choose Your Own Adventure books? No, not me. No, no so I've just heard people who knew them. So, like, I've I've known stories from people who have known the stories, but I personally. Did so, not do you know the premise them. of the book? I'm. I remember uh, yes. Goosebumps. Choose I'm your own. I'm turning adventures. 29 again this year. So, are you hitting? Are you celebrating the eighth anniversary of your 21st yes. birthday? <laughs> uh, so the would, would you rather is kind of a, a simpler version of a choose your own adventure, but you only have two options. And then choose your own adventures were a book series back in the eighties, maybe, maybe seventies, but I think the eighties where you got an option and then you skip to another page. And the goal was to try and survive yep. or find the treasure or make it out of, you know, the haunted house or whatever. Yep. Oh, now, you, are now you, I know what you're talking about. That's choose your own adventure books. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did like those. Okay, so you did read them. Yeah. You just another, okay. I didn't, Absolutely. I didn't connect that. And, and that was like, so here's the thing. Like, there's a game now, Would You Rather? And then now they have, uh, they actually have a uh, choose your own adventure board game, cool. which is a card-based game. When you think about the those options, when you think about those questions, you know, would you rather? So, for instance, I think the first question I asked is, would you rather be able to fly but only six inches off the ground <laughs> or jump really high but only once a day? Which would you do? Jump really high once a day. Oh, wow. That was fast. I was going to say exactly the opposite as, as soon as, yeah. Fly only six inches off the ground, though. Because you could float everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. Wait, wasn't it for only six seconds? No, <laughs> yeah, it was It was like a minute yeah, a day. Yeah, I think like, you missed up what you, like, it was a little different than you what you said. Yeah, you couldn't fly, but it was only for like, it was like, it was like, only for six seconds at a time. Yeah, it was something like that. But I'd still take it. I would still take it. And you're just like hopping around where it's but like, you yeah. could jump but once. But what would, you, what would you do with the jumping? I would at least jump on top of the Sears Tower. <laughs> and then think of all the money you could make jumping. And like batting down airplanes with like the, the girl that I've kidnapped, like Wait King Kong. That's what I would do. So, okay. I it didn't that. say you were as tall as King but Kong, just that you could jump. Me. So that's you're going to swat planes with your try. five foot. Drones. Are you five five? I'm five two if I wear shoes and do my hair. 
<laughs> so five two Kate on top of the Empire State sliding down planes. Aaron's like, what's that on the what's that on the Empire Street? But is that a woman? Yeah. Is there a five foot two woman? She jumped. True story. Did you know that Superman originally didn't fly? He actually jumped. Yes. He could leap farther than a the highest but skyscraper. You see, the story ends that he flies because flying is better. <laughs> is, I actually would choose flying because one, I could go long distances and not get tired. Yeah, I suppose. But if it's only for sixty seconds but at a time, how that's are you not flying? How is it like floating, or do you have like little baby wings or something? It doesn't. It doesn't. However, whatever see, floats your boat, we get it. Whatever floats. Haha. Yes. We play time. these games all the time. I have this book mm -hmm. of a thousand questions yeah. for like when we were in an airport or something, and it's like these would you rather's. And the horrible thing is that both of us dive in too deep and ask like about 40 more questions and don't ever actually answer their original yeah, question. Yeah, it's like, would you rather fly or have super speed? And I'd be like, well. What kind of super speed? How fast can I fly? Is it just like one mile how an hour or Mach 10? Like, yeah. what? Well, okay, it, so like. Can I run on water? So now here's super speed game. is a perfect example of this. If you think about super speed. Here we go. People don't realize that the only reason why Flash doesn't get destroyed because your body can't handle yeah, super right. speed. Because. Because he's in the speed force. That's he's right. running at an average pace. It's a different dimension and then his molecules are different. That's how you get flashpoints. It's all stories. It's all stories. See, this I am well unfamiliar now with. Now you've learned new things. Okay, here's the next one. Okay, and I did this one as well. Would you rather lose one of your five, five senses but be rich or have one super sense and be poor? And super if so, what, what would the super sense oh. be? Super sense, 100% because I'm already be? poor, so this is the only one that's <laughs> positive, positive. It's like maintain but get something or Take so what, what would you, you know? what would you be, what would it Super be? Super sense would be, I have terrible eyesight. It would be really cool to have like perfect eyesight. Mm. No, that, that perfect isn't a super sense. Perfect or eyesight like, is just 2020. Like 20. insanely, but then maybe that I would be like sensory overload. Yeah. yeah. Here's my, here's my thought on the one super is that it will drown out the four others. And so, yeah, you might be able to oh. like see really well or smell really well, but then like. Then you rely on it and your other ones get Yeah, lazy. and then your other ones. Don't but and if you so lose one, cool. so is it better to lose a sense than to gain a super sense? Because if you lose a sense, then your other senses get heightened they to get make higher. it higher. Yeah, I, I would definitely go for that one. You would go for lose, yeah. and get rich. Sense of smell. Yeah. yeah, well, but it's, but here's the thing, though. Mm. Think about what you lose. So, for instance, if you lose your sense of smell, or you lose your sight, you like lose your sight. You can changing. hear, but now you can't watch a movie. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Right. Yeah, I'd much rather have super sense. Yeah, I don't need my smell. I think I would I would lose I would lose something. The problem is if you lose your smell, you probably also lose your taste. Yeah, I know. I'll take it. No, because you only have to lose one scent. So it doesn't you, there's, no you, fallout. there's no fallout. Okay. There's no fallout, no fallout on other scents. Okay, gotcha. We're ruining the game. <laughs> it's right. Here we go. All right, so now okay, now so here's here's why I, we talked about this. We talked about this on Sunday. It's that illusion of option, yeah. right? Yeah. And we actually had this conversation during sermon read through is that our brains are wired for choice. Yeah. Um, we are binary creatures by nature, which is why gray is so difficult for us. It, it's either a yes or a no. It's black yeah. or it's white. And the gray ambiguity is really tough for us as human brain, uh, human beings. Our brains don't know how to process that. What happens in your story when you feel out of control? When you don't feel like you have an option? How does that, how does that affect you? How do you yeah. respond when you feel like you're out of control? I think that when our brains start to go into that feeling of being out of control in your story... What happens is we see a, a trauma response gets triggered, and you're going to do that fight, fight, or flaunt. Uh, flaun. Also, flan is really good. <laughs> I didn't mean to say that. But fight, 
flight Freeze. or fawn, where you yeah. you flight, where you're going to run away, you're going to fight, you get turned into an aggressor, or you fawn, which is you turn passive, you lay down and freeze. And then now they have the new paralyzed. one, make friends. Oh. That's the four. They've added four now. So make friends. Is that like mirroring or masking? Mirroring or masking, or now you're going to do everything you can to try and get them on your side. Yeah. So it's. Uh, because it's more it's more passive than being fight, but more active than fawn. it's it's actively so like for instance with my cat and I, I'm I'm a cat guy, I'm not a dog guy. Yeah. But my cat we call it prepping the wound where my cat will lick. And you're like, Oh my cat likes you and then he bites you. Yeah. I do that as well. <laughs> that was too much information. Sorry, no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm still trying to where are we going with this one? Well, this I'm just saying, just like, like when you when you feel out of control in your life, oh, gotcha. what do you do? It's a trauma yeah. response. Yeah. So, what do you? How do you? How do you feel? Like, what do you do? Let's talk personally. Yeah. What do you do when you feel out of control? I, I turn into an aggressor. You yeah. fight. I fight. Yeah, I. Uh, I'm feisty too. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord Jesus! But I'm learning actually that there that fawn doesn't have to be being a pushover that sometimes being still choosing not to act or react on a trauma response. Okay. Because we're in the middle of stories. We've been talking so much about comic books. Favorite scene from guardians of the galaxy two is when Drax, he's like, I'm moving so slow. Yeah. 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 Yes. That's I know my exactly favorite scene. I'm, I'm invisible right that's now. That's what I'm no, trying I to do to my no, temper right now. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't see me. I'm you don't invisible. see me. It's like, I'm you know, angry. you're actually very angry. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm repressing this right now. How about you? What do you do, John? When, when, when you feel out of control, how do you handle it? I feel like I just kind of shut down a little bit. Yeah. Paralyzed. And, uh, and don't do anything mostly because I don't, like to react in anger if like something's bothering me if like there's a lot of things that are maybe going wrong or there's just a lot of stressors coming at me at a particular time i don't i've i've noticed that i can like snap back or lash out unintentionally just snap because that's that's where i sit in, as a enneagram nine that's where i sit in in that anger it's just it's always there simmering under the surface um but uh, sometimes I can lash out. So I just tend to like shut down and not feel anything. And then when I get the opportunity, I take off. But I don't like to just take okay, off. What you didn't see you everybody know? is he did a full on like like a stage takeoff where he yeah. swings his arms like right. old timey. Yeah, high elbows and everything. <laughs> yeah. <in this> case. <laughs> Exit that, stage yeah. left, right? Yeah. I, and, <laughs> I, and I would I would say it's more a, a flight thing but i don't like to just take off if there's something going on i'm like no no, no that's not very nice that's not very polite i'm gonna stay it's here. almost like a mentally you check out yeah. where your brain emotionally like, like, and i think yeah. there's a, okay so there's a difference between feeling out of control and being startled when i'm startled i get angry mm. so like i have a i have I a i have a quick fight response when i'm startled uh and I think I may have shared this story when I first, literally, I just pulled in to the driveway of Zion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, they're like, hey, Jason, you let's show you around the offices. Yeah. And they show me everything. And I've got boxes in my car. I've been driving for 10 hours or nine hours, whatever. Yep. And like, hey, did you look at the closet in your office? I'm like, what? And I open it. And Amanda Farmer, <laughs> yeah. who was our youth director, was inside of there. And she jumped out of me. And I literally swung my fist and stopped at an inch from her face. And she went, 
would have been worth it. Yeah. <laughs> because and, and I've I've yeah. had that conversation with you. Like if you scare me, scare if you scare me, if I'm not prepared, like my first uh, yeah. reaction is to punch. Yeah. I have to recognize the distance between us when I jump out and scare you. Well, because then it's your own fault if I've told you that that's a response. And there's a thing within like being like public safety wives, like being married to law enforcement, where it's like you actually shouldn't scare your husband. But sometimes I like to push it. (laughs) You are you feisty? It's like, are you really gonna hit me? I just good enough. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, it's like now I'm like, it's more the psychological of like, how are you going to go right now? How fast is your brain going to think? When home is not your safe space. Yeah. Blink twice, Mike Kobe. Well, you, see, she's all about public safety, not home safety. Very different thing. Public safety, fine. Home safety, relational safety, not, not fine. Well, I mean, so I'll be like, okay, but think about the difference in that though, yeah. because we do have our, when unexpected surprise response yeah. and then you have out yeah. of control well, when i feel true. out of control yeah when i when i know i'm out of control i go to one of two things i either want to get out of dodge because i don't like being trapped that's my enneagram seven, seven yeah or uh when i'm aware i go to that five and i now i seek to gain control by letting go of control yeah and one of the things and this has been such a journey for me in my story this actually was part of my story development is most of the time I would try and control my story by running away to find a better story. And one of the things that I've learned through doing my own work with the Enneagram, through counseling, and then just spiritual formation, is realizing that for me, the best way is instead of wanting control, is realizing I don't need control. And to move into what's called non-attachment. To now all of a sudden, it's like, I can't do anything about this. Yep. And so what I can do is I can learn to be fully present in the moment and let yeah. the moment be what it is. But that's so hard for me because my yes. gut reaction is is to, when I feel out of control, is to want to get out of dodge. Yeah. And when when you've lived your whole life learning how to deal with feeling out of control, which is not a good feeling for a human being, you know, instinctually, that's why we go into that trauma response. And so you build all these coping skills and then you're, you know, 30 years plus years old, learning how to undo Undo that. I don't know if you noticed, but 30 years plus was more than 10 years ago for me. Everyone in this room is over 30 years old, except for John. Except for me. (laughs) I'm going to be 50 in three three years and two months. That's wow. a weird thought. Oh, three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you're going to be 50. My and... brain heard two months. And no, I was not... like, wait, three years and two months? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be 60 in 22 years. <laughs> no, okay. So first of all, once you hit your 40s, you're going to realize what a real statement that is. Because this first 20 so, years went by way faster know, than I, I expected. I all of a sudden, I'm like, how am I? I've been in ministry for 22 years. Yeah. I started in ministry in 2000. And I think about like... Colette Sampson's working on 24 years in and kids children and kids ministry, which is amazing. But I, so that's the part, like this is, it's funny. We talk about it, but that sense of out of control, mm-hmm. I can't control time, Yeah, yeah. but I can control my place in time. Amen. Mm. What are you going to do with it? That's that? right. And, and, and this goes back yeah. to this next question. So we talk about sometimes this whole part of this, this week's story, what happens when you feel stuck and you want out of your story, but you don't feel like you can. Yeah. And, and sometimes I think Jesus does give us an option, but we think the option needs to be one way and God may have a different option for us. And this is where I'll be, if I'm just being frank. Um, you're Jason. I knew you were going to do that. As soon as I said it, I was like, Kate's going to say it. Uh, so the, I think the, the, the hard part for us is when we read the Gospels and we hear we read the healing stories, 
what we fixate on is the healing and saying, yeah. well, if God healed him, he should be able to heal me. Yes. And it doesn't mean he can't. He can't. Yeah. But there were lots of people Jesus didn't heal. Yeah. Yep. And, and this is, I think, I mean, the gospels are there for a reason. God knew exactly what he was doing. But one of the struggles is we assume that what healing means is my ailments are healed. And, and I've talked about this from uh, AA or Celebrate Recovery. The reason why I'm a bigger fan of Celebrate Recovery than Alcoholics Anonymous, and don't get me wrong, I think AA has done tremendous work. It was founded by Christians, but it was founded so that people who wanted nothing to do with God could still have access to yeah. recovery. Yeah. But that's great. You're just a recovered addict or a recovering alcoholic still going to hell. Mm-hmm. Like that's that doesn't deal with, yes, it's a temporary solution. And I, they first thing they acknowledge is you have to acknowledge a higher power. Well, yeah. Celebrate Recovery goes in. Well, no, we know who that higher power is. It's yeah. Jesus. But when we fixate on healing, that, that the primary goal, if I want to have a better story, if it means if I'm in a, if I'm having a sickness or a pain, the only better story is if I'm healed. But what happens yeah. when you're not? Yeah. And and I think this is where we use these two stories about the the the. Um, the disabled man, and we don't know if he was paralyzed. Obviously, he could move something because he said, I try and crawl and I can't get to the water yeah. in time. No one will help me. Uh, we talk about the um, the blind man, and which I don't like the fact that he's called blind Bartimaeus. Could you imagine being defined by your ailment? Oh, absolutely. They're, Short Jason. Someone like, <laughs> who is still lovingly called in Clear Lake and has business cards, and he's the can man too. Like, it's that's what his card says, like the can man. And it's like... I think that we see that even in today's culture. Talk about being defined by your story. Right? Yeah. Right. Well, who, he's, who wants that? Unless right? it's really cool. Like, there's Superfly Jason, okay. right? You know, but, but no one calls me that. And the problem is that has its own problems. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's still one of my life goals. I want to be. <laughs> no, I get what you're saying. I think actually sometimes, yeah. I think sometimes to be more successful or more powerful or more famous is actually worse. Oh, yeah, because you, you have to keep it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well I think both. Yeah, they're they're both be- they're both equally bad. Two sides just, of the I'm two sides saying, of a gutter. But we know that people with a lot of like a lot of people with wealth, like it is hard for them to recognize God. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so when you talk about that spiritual healing, right? If I can't eat, I could see how I could like seek God in those moments, right? If I don't yeah. have food, but likewise, when I can provide my own meals day after day after day, and I, I don't need I God. Don't need God. Yeah, right. it's a false sense of independence. Because yes. you think you're, what makes your story good is that you have no needs. Right. And and I think that's the challenge of these stories yeah. is that, I, again, the miracles are there to point to show that Jesus can do what nobody else has done. Their Jesus, needs are obvious. And he's also fulfilling Old Testament prophecy. Sure. Yeah. Because the prophecy said that he would heal the blind, that he mm-hmm. would heal the lame, that he would heal the paralyzed and bring back the dead and yeah. rescue people. So all those signs point to it. And and I want to be careful. I still believe miracles happen. Yeah. yeah. I still believe God can do those things. But unfortunately, what I find is, is when people read that, now all of a sudden they want to discount God and say, well, that's... Hasn't happened to me, so it must not be yeah, real. Right. And I right. think we forget, like, the purpose of signs and wonders is to show the glory of God. And, yes, if if this was an everyday thing, if I could just, bam, be healed and slay you in the spirit at any <laughs> moment, is that really that wonderful? Or is it just another thing we do? If you think about 50 years ago, what this smartphone is in my hand is a miracle. Yeah. Well, so let's see, let's right? even think about childbirth today, What you know, yeah. the childbirth rates. Yeah. Amen. Are considered a miracle, but we've become so accustomed to them. They're not miraculous anymore. Yes. I think about even, uh, I meet people who have knee replacements. Yes. And I had a friend of mine who had a knee replacement 15, 20 years ago. He was out for two weeks. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Now you have a knee replacement, you're out walking the next day. Yeah. 
Like you're not running or anything, but, but like in the hospital. Yeah, yeah. you're or no, a lot of them are literally like I just had somebody who had a knee replacement. They were in one day, back home the next day. Yeah, that's crazy. I had my gall, I had my gallbladder out. It was an in and out surgery. It was a forty minute surgery where they used to be they had to cut you wide yeah. open to get it. And and here's the thing: once it becomes commonplace, yeah. it's no it's longer special. Right. That's right. And so when when all of a sudden miracles become commonplace, well now we feel entitled to them. Yeah. I feel entitled, just like the cell phone. I feel entitled to the fact that hey, you know what? I, I should be able to get connection anywhere because I've gotten it before. Oh yeah. Remember dial up. If we're doing, I like try old, not to. And it was like, <laughs> and it's like Amber, get off the phone. You no, know, I, I yeah. to get on the internet. But I mean, think about when you first got it. I remember watching dial up, <laughs> watching dial up because that's what yeah. you had to do. Watching you it know, dial up. You would you would download. I remember downloading a song, and you're like, Napster "Dude, can you believe this? I'm getting this paid. song only takes seven minutes to download." Yeah. I've been ruining computers yep. for a long time, man. LimeWire. Uh, <laughs> My poor father. <laughs> so, okay. Now, here's here's the question. Jesus meets the man at the pool of Bethesda, who had been there for 38, 39 years, right? And he asks him the question, do you want to be healed? Yeah. And I'm full confession here. It used to be when I read this, I saw the man as being so victimized that instead of answering Jesus, he made excuses. I don't think that's what's happening here. I don't think he's making excuses. I think I think he has been so let down so many times that he has no he cannot fathom a world yeah, in which right, healing will you. ever take place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and let me okay, so here's the question I was going to ask in the sermon but I decided not to. We think it's weird that somebody would hang out by a pool hoping for a legend to happen. I mean it was a myth. There was no yeah. whether or not anybody ever got healed but that's what they believed. And hoping that an angel's wing would touch the water and they'd get down. There are still people hanging out by pools. Yeah. They're just, they're not, now that the myth or the legend is not an angel touching their wing. The Now the, the pool is the bar. Yeah. You know, I know how many people do we know who are so dissatisfied with their life. They're hoping for something more. So they go to the bar every night to have a drink. Or the gym. Or the gym. Mm-hmm. The gym. I want to be clear, it's fine to work out, but yeah, and just like it's there's nothing wrong with going to the bar, right? Absolutely. If you want yeah. to go to the bar and have a drink, that's fine. But the gym or the golf course, it's like the reason why you go there, and yeah. and it's the desperation behind uh-huh. it. Yeah, it's, and, it's the looking for the healing without the healer. Yeah. Yes. You've got, yeah, you've got a god shaped <clears> hole, and you're going to fill it with whatever thing, and then when you find something that feels better, yeah. Now, or, yeah, or restaurants. Well, now let's, how yeah. about church? Yeah. Amen. Right. How many people who are, want they want God as this vending machine. Yes. And they're going to church, but they don't really want an encounter with Jesus. They just want something from Jesus. They, they want a magical Roomba that they can pick up and say, yeah, I accept you, Jesus, and set him down and he just cleans your life up. Yeah. And, <laughs> and here's why I think when Jesus, he heals him, but the, his soul had not been taken care of yet. The word in Greek there. Uh, And I was doing a little research because in between the two stories that we told, when Jesus declares the man, the blind uh, uh, Bartimaeus healed, the word he uses there is the word sozo, which sozo means a complete healing. Some people, and I don't agree with this, some people have taken it to mean that God promises that you will have physical healing and spiritual healing. And that's always the case. And that's his goal. I have some problems with that because like, oh, the apostle Paul, who had a thorn in his flesh that wasn't taken away. Or how about the number of Christians? Or how about just old age? Mm-hmm. Right. Right? Old age. I hate to tell you this. No matter how much I love Jesus, eventually my body's going to catch up with me. Yeah. Otherwise, I could live forever by prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but the word he uses for this man is just bodily wholeness. 
So sozo means like a complete wholeness and that mm. this man did experience complete wholeness, but that doesn't mean that's what God always gives us. Not here. Eventually we will. But this man had a bodily wholeness, which is why we find him later. Interesting, he goes to the temple. Yeah. And it makes me wonder if the reason why he went there was to worship or to give thanks. Um, and Jesus, it sounds like Jesus is chastising him because he says, hey, now stop your sinning. And it makes it sound like, so was he sinning by going to the temple? No, I think what Jesus is acknowledging is that Jesus did part of the work. Yeah. yeah. But the real work had not been done yet. Yeah. And I, I guess I want to clarify something. Sometimes... I think sometimes what gets in the way of some people being saved is that until they can wrap their head around the fact that chronic pain is a perfect example. Mm -hmm. I, I have friends who right now are struggling because they have chronic pain or are battling through cancer or their marriage is falling apart. And in their mind, they can't imagine being right with God until those things are dealt with. Yes. Yeah. It's like a, it's like <clears throat> everything, everything in, the, in my life needs to be fixed and put back to where it works, then that's a sign that God has worked, like God is real or God yeah. is working. Or it's like, usually it's the inverse that, no, you know what? I'm content in all things. I can do all things to Christ who strengthens yep. me. And we were talking about too, I think we've mentioned it a couple times on the podcast when we were doing the um, like addiction transfer. When you see the rate of people that get like a lap band surgery yeah. and they have a food addiction and then they can no longer pursue that food addiction, the rate of dying from alcoholism for people that have had lap band surgery is outrageous yeah. because the root issue is addiction. The symptom was Doesn't matter what food kind. addiction yeah. or whatever, like yeah. the overeating. So they, they just keep curing symptoms and you never get, it's like, it's like you'll take a Tylenol to get rid of a fever, but you've got pneumonia. Yeah. You, need, you need to treat the disease, treat <clears throat> the root. Yeah. And if you look at Paul, this goes back to the Philippians text that she said. I, and I get it. Like, this isn't a knock. Like, I, I totally get it. When you're in pain, yeah. sometimes it's hard to wrap your head around God's oh, grace and mercy your, and your love. Your nervous system literally can't sometimes. Um, unless God gives you that. That's the spirit, the supernatural Holy yeah, Spirit amen. in you where you see Paul who's been, you know, he was stoned. He was beaten three times with the 39 lashes. He was shipwrecked. He was in prison. And yet he continues to find joy. And and here's what I, I think. I hate to laugh when you say that. When he's stoned? Yeah. You, you're, it's you're so dry. Christianese. I, yeah, I know. It's like when you say stoned to anyone else, they're thinking like, oh, is he on drugs? Interesting. Paul did not, was not on drugs. No, he was not on drugs. <laughs> but you, if you think about what Paul's going through, and, and this is the, and it doesn't say it was easy. None of these things were a walk in the park. They they were painful. Some of them, like I can imagine receiving 39 lashes meant his back was flayed open. Yeah. It meant yeah. that his his bones were probably broken, that there was damage to his muscles. He probably walked with a limp. And now here's the thing. I'm not Paul. <laughs> I, I don't, I'd like to believe I have that kind of faith, but it's possible. And somewhere along the way, God got a hold of Paul's story and I think the downside, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, the downside of living in America is we don't have a gospel story. We have an American gospel story. And part of the American story is, is that a good story has a happy ending. A good story is one without pain. Uh-huh. How, how... Or overcoming that pain. Yeah. And then right. that's the end of the story is like that underdog, American yes. fighter, overcomer you know, pulling themselves up by their bootstraps. And I think what's so significant about what you just said is 
pulling themselves up yeah. Yeah. by right. their own Yes, that you have to be it's, independent have to, to be, be well. The one, you have to be the one to make you better. We were just talking about that in Sermon Rethrough when Jason had to step out for a moment. We were talking about like, oh, I love being self-sufficient. Yeah. I love it. It's a point of pride for Americans. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, and it's a part of pride for humanity. I mean, yeah. even in the Garden of Eden. I think the, that there are other cultures, though, that... Value, value interdependence. Cultural, value, when you have yes. community-based yes. cultures, shame yes. and honor-based cultures. So if you go to Iraq, Iran, yeah. China, parts of uh, Japan, Korea, communal-based cultures understand that more parts yeah. of Africa. Western-based culture, which is part of our Roman. Yeah. Because the Roman Empire was based on self-sufficiency. Rome yes. was self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the dilemma becomes for us is that when we read these stories— now they just become cliches that we put on a cup. Yeah. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Yeah, I was going to say that that verse is often used heavily where it's like, I can do anything I want. It's like, but that's not the context is Paul is literally in jail after having suffering, suffering beating, yeah. whipping. It's like, but in, in these circumstances, I can find joy yeah. and I can praise I God. I can survive it. this. I can survive this is really kind of what he's saying. Yeah. And, and so here's the, okay, so let's, we went off track a little bit, which is good because I love, love these it. conversations, but we come in and here's <laughs> the part of changing our story yeah. is that Jesus offered them something, but they still had, they had to receive the offer. Yeah. So the man at the pool of Bethesda, do you want to get well? I can't. I, I, no one will help me. Mm-hmm. Leave, pick up your mat and leave. And it says the man did. What if he had just said, no, but I, I don't know. I don't believe you. Mm-hmm. And now I watch too hard or, or it's too hard. And sometimes what happens and uh, the reason why we stay in our stories is we can get comfortable with them even yeah. when they're the wrong story. Mm. Yes. <laughs> and, and sometimes that's that story has now become part of us. And I can say for my own life, there are stories that I still have to go. Oh, I'm way too comfortable in that story. Yep. Yeah. And I know it's the wrong story. Uh, and I'm just speaking frankly, weight loss. Yeah. It gets so easy. I've struggled with my weight for 20 years now. When I was in high school in my early 20s, man, I was I was athletic, not a problem. I hit 20s and I couldn't play basketball eight hours a day and I had to have a job I and still ate like I was playing basketball eight hours a day. Right. But there's a point and every time that I've gained weight, it's always because I went, you know, just five more pounds, not a big deal. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's getting comfortable in that story, but we we all have them. Some yeah. it may not be weight. Sometimes it's work. Yeah, there's more obvious ones too. Of like you see it, um, you know, Shawshank Redemption. Redemption is one of my favorite uh, movies, and you know, you get criminally institutionalized. Yeah, and you get out after living for how long in the prison system. You don't know how to, like, Actually, three hops in a cot sounds really good right now. Yeah. And they, they commit crime to go back to what they know. And you see that with victims of abuse, domestic yeah. violence, yeah. being raised in it and having, you know, we joke in this culture of saying, like, mommy issues or daddy issues. And it's like, oh, you're going to, like, make these bad decisions because generational you know. sense, all you know. And we're finally addressing it. That's why I love the movie Encanto so much because it's addressing that generational trauma of how it just keeps going. We're talking about this grandmother's grandchildren having the effects of her trauma. And that's the power of story. And yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the reason why we've done this is that the, the purpose of a testimony is not just for you to testify. Mm-hmm. It's a story. I had somebody who came up and they said, you know, I never thought about the fact that evidence without story means nothing. Mm-hmm. 
because it's the story that gives meaning that to the evidence. Right, That's right. Absolutely. And I wonder how the problem with so often the reason why our gospel, why Jesus is so anemic in our culture, is we think that what's going to change people, win people over, is evidence. Yeah. Oh, but what about this? I mean, I don't believe that. But I've got, but I've got evidence. That's no. Yeah. It's story, and when they start encountering people's stories, that that evidence now makes sense. Yeah. Because then they ask for the evidence. When you yeah. tell the story, we're like, tell me more about that. Yeah. What happened? Where was this? Or How? you incorporate the evidence as part of the yes. story. And, the, and yeah. in fact, now your story is the it's, evidence. Yes. Yes. And it's, yes. That, it's I mean, so much the narrative. And, and so you think about, um, you think about when your life has been impacted by Jesus, the greatest evidence is your story. I can't prove the resurrection. I can't. No. I can prove that someone died on a cross. Like there's evidence, uh, historical evidence that crucifixion was a real thing. I can't prove Jesus was crucified because if he was rose, risen from the dead, there's no body. Yeah. Right. Which is where the faith. But but the evidence I can show is how was that resurrected life changed me? Amen. Um, one, and this is I remember this was probably two years ago. There was this video circulating of. Uh, a woman having her arm miraculously healed and they showed her. And I was so excited because here's the other part. As Christians, we're so desperate for evidence. Mm, yeah. And I remember watching it. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe this. And sure enough, you watch it. And this woman's arm goes from, it, it grows like 10 inches. I mean, it's clearly half an arm. And all of a sudden it goes up there. And I showed it to somebody. I was like, I've never seen anything like this. It was a scam. Mm. Turned out that the woman was hired by churches. This is a, in churches in Africa. This woman was hired by pastors, would get paid a lot of money to go and she could do it where basically her arm, she had like multiple issues with her arm, but she could straighten her arm out and make it look like it grew. Wow. Huh. And so, and I, and I look at this and I'm like, no wonder people think Christianity is a fraud because we're so desperate to find evidence that will cling to anything that points to evidence when the greatest evidence is the lives transformed. It's the pools we're seeking. That's right. To go and lay around this pool of like yeah, these myths, these legends, yeah. and you're seeking the evidence of it instead of walking out the story. And also it. why if we think the miracle is the story, we're yeah. missing the point yeah. because you could say, I don't really think that's a miracle, but look at the life change. Yeah, but do you mm-hmm. know the miracle giver? Yeah, That's you could, right. You could yeah. go your whole life without ever seeing any sort miraculous of healing. miraculous healing or event physical or sign. healing yeah right yeah and you get to the end of your life and it it doesn't matter because your life has been changed yeah. by what christ has done for you and and i think that's when we read these stories and i think about um we never i don't discount the supernatural i don't discount the miraculous i know they have mm-hmm. i have seen miracles i have mm-hmm. seen people healed but I could equally say that someone could find a way to invalidate that, and it doesn't change my belief in the God who changes, Amen. not because of the healing, but because of the life that was transformed. Uh, seeing yeah. marriages come back from the brink of disaster, seeing yeah. marriages divorce. Now, here's yeah. the thing. What happens, what happens if later, years later, divorce happens? <gasps> See, it wasn't real. No, because humans are still humans. Like, yeah. even yeah. Lazarus still died again. Like, yeah. there's just because God heals something doesn't mean it stays healed yeah. until the resurrection. And we, we've talked about it several times on the podcast of like it missing the point of the story. Yeah. If you're if you're focusing like we were talking about creation, if you're if you're focusing on whether or not it literally happened, you're missing the story. Like even even when we're talking about like, oh, right now, hot button issues and it always have been. But there's the abortion and Roe versus Wade right now. And there's homosexuality and all of that. And it's like when you start drilling down into it and being like, is this literally what it's saying? 
Are you missing the character of God, though? Yeah. Are you are you missing the love God and love others? Because he summed everything up for us. Oh. And if you're missing that, do that first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's what the points. I love the story of the difference between uh, Bartimaeus and the man at the pool of Bethesda. Yeah. It says, and Bartimaeus saw, and then he followed Jesus. Now, check this out. Historically, the reason why they think they called him blind Bartimaeus is because it's believed he became such a he became such a prominent person in the church, mm. and because there were a lot of Bartimaeuses, that's a common name that they gave him a distinctive. That's why they, and they wanted to say, no, no, this is blind well, this, Bartimaeus. This one. Yeah. This is the one. And now all of a sudden, it's not he's not being defined. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Now I don't know if that's for sure. Right. Scholars speculated, and and not any not blind anymore. Bartimaeus doesn't yeah. roll off the tongue as well. <laughs> yeah. So. Right. Used to be blind. Yeah. Be, but I mean, you think about that, like. He went and followed Jesus. We don't see that from the pool of Bethesda. The guy went to the temple, which is great. But Jesus is like, hey, you're still. And I wonder, it's purely speculative because we don't see it in the text. But I wonder if Jesus was calling out the fact that the man thought it was religion who saved him, not God. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. And to show the faithfulness of Jesus, to meet him again in the story. Yeah. Yeah. And Amen. What's, what's great about this is that so funny is that after he says this to him and it doesn't tell us if he repents. Mm-hmm. Uh, originally, the reason why this whole thing played out is after he gets healed, the Pharisees come up to him and like, yeah. hey, you can't pick up your mat. And he's like, hey, listen, all I know is this guy told me to get up. I don't know who he is. He just said, get up. And then Jesus encounters him again. And then he goes back to the Pharisees. He goes, oh, by the way, it was Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and there's two ways you could read that. One is maybe he got offended that Jesus called him out on his sin. He's going to go tattle. <laughs> and so now he's like, hey, just, you know, it's Jesus. Or it's, hey, I didn't know who it was before. It was Jesus who did yeah, it. Yeah, declaring you know. the name. Just, and, yeah. and I think it's the second. I do too. But the first time I read it, I'm like, ooh. Yeah. Is he uncomfortable? Because the way Jesus That's said true. it is now stop your sinning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And follow. Like, yeah. you, you're, you're focusing on the wrong healing. And I think that sometimes we, we, we question when Jesus says things like that. Like, get up and sin no more. Stop your sinning and follow. We think like, oh, man, he's like being harsh to them. And no, that is such a loving thing to yeah. say to so someone. Lovely. That you are, Jennifer, you are so much worth go and more, no more than that. Don't do that again. Yeah. Don't do that anymore. Well, I love you. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, the physical healing that that one can receive is wonderful, but also there are consequences of sin. Amen. So not just the sin that separates when you said, from God, but, like, life isn't going to be awesome. Yeah, I tell Gabe that. Well, and he actually said that to him. He goes, if you don't stop your sinning, yeah. it's going to be worse for you. Yeah. Yes. And that doesn't mean he's going to be crippled again. No. It means he could spend You're eternity right. in hell. Right. Yeah. Right. Just because you can walk now, you think your life is not all together. You still have, be on guard. Watch and, out. Stop. And sitting. that's where he gets him. And, and so here's what I think yeah. happens and why this is such a critical thing. I know so many people who are convinced, well, if God just healed me, I would follow him and everything would be better. Yeah. And we've all seen that story when you see it in the movies where the guys, you know, like the, the houses, Lord, if you get me out of this, I'll give my life to you and, and I'll follow you and I'll do all these things. And yeah. then you, you Matt, mysteriously get saved. Okay, maybe that wasn't the Lord. Thank yeah. you. Good man, I was lucky. Yeah. And isn't that human nature? I mean, the whole story of God's people is God rescues them out of Egypt. Yeah. Why did we leave Egypt? Oh, it was so much better. At least yeah. we had food. Yeah, but you were in slavery. Yeah. And we still do that. Yeah. And if we focus on the healing, eventually that healing story just feels something we're entitled to. Yes. It doesn't we're not we don't remember what God did. And and that's where we need this. That's where we need our soul to be healed. We need divine healing. Where now all of a sudden our eyes are open. And yeah. this goes back to this text. Okay, so our, our primary text 
for this morning. And I, um, it comes from Paul's chair, uh, prayer to the church in Ephesus. And Ephesus was Paul's favorite church. He spent more time in Ephesus than anywhere else. When he left Ephesus, it says he cried. There was great weeping among them because they loved each other so much. It's one of my favorite mm. books in the Bible, but he, this is what he says. For this reason, after he, in uh, the first verses, he talks all about that you, you need to understand your sonship, your daughtership, that you are a child of the king, that God's blessings and promises are for you here and now. The inheritance isn't something in the future. It's present and in the future. And then he says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, it's faith and love. Your faith in God and love for all God's people. Yeah. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking. That keep means continually. It's always on the front of his tongue. I keep asking that the God of our Lord, Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. And that, so the, the part that I think some, it's hard for us to understand is that the eyes and the heart, there's one verse, uh, there's this text in Matthew where Jesus says, if your eyes are dark, your whole heart is dark. And if your eyes are light, your whole heart is filled with light. It was believed in the ancient world that your eyes were not windows to the soul, but rather they gave light to the soul. And if if your eyes were light, it would you would be able to see things in a correct way. And if your eyes are opened, now all of a sudden your heart, you make decisions not from emotions because the heart in the ancient yeah. world wasn't the seat of emotions. Your gut was. Yeah. The heart was the seat of decision-making. Yeah. Mm. And when the eyes of your heart are opened up, now you see things for what God has done. And he's literally saying, I pray that you have eyes to see how much God has blessed you. Yeah. But you have to have light come into your eyes, yeah. which is why he says, if, if your eyes are bad, you're, everything's bad. And how we see our story yeah. matters. It is so interesting because Paul literally had a new light in yeah. his eyes. Yeah. Right? And it actually caused him to be blind for a little bit. I know. Bit. Isn't that so interesting? Yeah. That, that That's his personal yeah. experience. And here he is sharing about it. And plus, like, the cultural context of it. But here he is sharing about how that light affects yeah. how you see things affects your story. And we were talking about, too, like, the miracle, um, being able to see the blessings that God has given you. We forget that the fact we're alive at all, like, you are a yeah. miracle. Yeah. That's incredible. And it's like, oh, if, if only God would, you know, take my thorn in my side. And it's like, well, the fact that you're alive at all, yeah. like that's but incredible. You get, you've been called by God to proclaim the gospel yes. to the Gentiles. You it's, forget that thankfulness, the gratefulness. And well, so I was just having this conversation and I won't say the name because I, I don't have permission, but I was talking to somebody about this recently and we were sharing about how sometimes it feels like God isn't meeting us. And I'm like, wait. We're called the body of Christ, which means the primary way that God's going to meet with you is through people. Amen. And are there people in your life? And the person was like, oh, yeah, I guess I haven't thought about that. And and it's kind of that story of the guy who was on the roof during the hurricane yeah. and a helicopter yeah, 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 yeah. comes and says, and he goes, no, no, waiting for God to rescue me, right? right. <laughs> and I think sometimes we think the divine rescue means I'm going to have this divine yeah. encounter with the Lord. Yeah. When no, no, who God sent us is the community. But this goes back to that story part. Yeah. What if what we need to be praying for, maybe God's already given us a different story. We're just not living into it. 
Yeah. Well, I need to write that down, by the way. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe God has already given us a different story. We're just not living into it. I mean, how often do we see, especially like people, I'm sure that like Jennifer and John and you, Jason, can all relate to it. And if maybe you don't actively participate in like any coaching or ministry where you have a, a leadership capacity over people, you see people that are like not leaning into like very clearly you have a calling yeah. and a passion and a purpose. And I just want to like kick you over the edge. Like I want to force you into this because like if only you could run and see see yourself the way that I see you in yeah. the kingdom, like how much potential and encouragement that I could give to someone, but you have to be like, please, please God, give them more opportunity. Like how how much can I say here? How 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 strongly can I push them into this? Well I don't even think about my children. Like if my children understood how much I love them. Oh. Like they can't fathom it and they won't until they have kids of their own. Right. But if my kids understood, like even when I have the hard conversations, everything I do, I do because I love them and I would give my life for my children. But they can't fathom how much I love them because they don't have kids. Yeah. That's why I truly believe I did not understand the closest proximity that I have to God's love was when I became a father. I thought it was when I got married. Actually, first time I thought real love was my first girlfriend who I had the flutters. and I, Because that was my only relationship to love outside of family dynamics. Yep. And I remember going, oh, this is love. And was there, what was her name, Wendy? Wanda. Her Wanda. sister's name was Wendy. That's right. And her brother's name was uh, Wiley. Wanda. I always think of um, Where's Waldo? Yeah. The girl, and that is Wanda. Anyway, keep going. So <laughs> then, then once Lisa and I started dating and we got engaged, I was like, oh, I love this woman. I want to marry her. And then once we said, I do, and we had our wedding night, I was like, oh, this is love. And each time my understanding of love got bigger and bigger, but it yeah. wasn't until I had kids. And I still remember first time holding Indy yeah. and just going, oh my gosh, I would give everything for this child yeah. who has done absolutely nothing to earn it who at this point is a blob who's just sitting there and crying and pooping and puking and, and eating. Entirely and just, dependent needs, on you. Needs, needs, needs. No, that's all they are. And and I I would do anything. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the closest I have. And even then, it's still not as big as And then as you God's finally love. realize that you'll never know. I can't fathom it. Yeah. And that's what Paul's saying in here. Yeah. I wish you could fathom yeah. how deep, how wide is the love of God. Every, every spiritual blessing. And the thing is, it says spiritual blessing. It doesn't say every physical blessing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say yeah. that I'm going to have, my bank account's going to be full and wow. I'm never going to go through hardship. And nowhere it does it apply injured. that. Yeah. yeah. And, and so... Here's, here's where I want to end us, okay? Okay. So when we think about this idea of story, and, and this is kind of our closing, and I think we're going to do more Testify series. Maybe we'll call them Testify Part 2. I don't know. <laughs> 2.0. If you could give an encouragement to somebody who's living in the wrong story, that God already, they're already Christian, what would, what would your encouragement to them be? And maybe it's how God has spoken to you, but what encouragement would you give to them? I'm yeah. shamelessly going to plug Baptism in the Lake, um, August 7th. If you mm-hmm. are moved by this message, that Jim's baptism, and you think, wow, I don't know if that's for me. I'm on the fence. Um, our theme this year is Acts 22, verse 16. It says, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, calling on his name. And I was, I just literally just had a meeting with Derek and I was like, Hey, Kyla's looking for a little blurb, like help me write something pastoral. And he's like, what's the heart of it? What are you waiting for? And you know, and it's okay to have questions. It's okay to have those hesitations, Yeah. but what are they? Look at them, really call them out. Because if there's nothing stopping you, but you get out of your way, get up, go do it. Yeah. 
It's like driving a car. If the only way you'll ever learn to drive is if you know how a car get works. Get behind the wheel. You're never going to get behind the wheel That's of a car. That's right. Take that step because baptism and that, that first step is just the first step. Yeah. And you have the rest of eternity to take more. Praise God. Yeah. yeah. Good. Uh, I was thinking about this with uh, blind Bar- Bartimaeus. What if, and I'm not saying the text supports this, but what if he was already known as blind Bartimaeus? He probably Bar- was. That's, right? That's yeah. how they knew him. Okay. But then, entry- oh yeah, blind Bartimaeus. I know blind Bartimaeus. Yeah, yeah. You know oh, what? blind BB. That's how he's he defined. It's an, it has a negative connotation. It's not of a place of love. It's like no, he's blind and he sits by the pool all day and like you know, it, it's like there's a negative part with that. Yeah. And then he encounters Jesus. Jesus flips the narrative, and now he's still called blind Bartimaeus. But now it's to point to the glory in the gospel of Christ. Yeah, amen. Yeah, I want so now. And I feel like. I feel like my own life, I've seen evidence of that. So I uh, I was a teen mom. I had a, a baby when I was 16. Teen mom. Negative connotation. Amen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But enter Jesus. And now you can say the exact same thing about me, teen mom. But it's meant to po- point to the glory yeah, of God. Like, look what God has done in my life. Like, look how good he is. Yeah. And I feel like there are people out there that have this this label or this identity, even addict or, or just like, I'm not good enough or whatever the story is that listen, you enter Jesus and those exact same words get redeemed and get changed for the glory of God. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I I think uh, we started off talking about uh, choose your own adventure stories. And the one thing that I always used to do when I was reading those books was every time I got to a page that says, all right, now turn to page 47. If you want this option and turn to page Did you 300 and choose the one I you would wanted? put my thumb in that page, flip to whatever one I wanted and then keep going. And then if there was another choice, I would do this. I would try. OK, now I got two <laughs> fingers in here and I would just hold on to all these old options so that when I got to the page, I said, oh, and the monster ate you, you died. All right. Make a different choice then. All right. Here we yeah. go. Let's go back. And I, I was wondering, like, I do that a lot in life too where i'm like i'm just holding on to like i don't really want to commit to because i can't do that in life i can't you know go back to a point before and choose a different path like no i and so i just it's like i don't know if i want to make this choice because i'm not sure what the outcome is going to be it's like you're not going to know the outcome necessarily you're not going to know how everything plays out and it's not always going to work out the way that you want it to yeah but when you take the step towards following god uh, and learning more about who he is, oh man, it's it's such a good option and it's such a good choice. And it, it, like I said, you know, we you're not know gonna know. You, yeah. That's know exactly right. Yeah, you don't know how your story you're maybe is going to there. play out, but you know, but you do know the end. end. Yeah. You do yeah. know the end of the story is that Jesus and loves that's you. That's what we put our hope in, and He's coming back for you. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So I, I was you were saying that, and I was thinking about. I think sometimes there's a difference between a car ride and a plane ride. In a car ride, you can stop and get off. Mm-hmm. When you're in a plane, you're not. You're, you're in a tin can once, of death. Once you're in the plane, you're in the plane until the ride's over, right? And too many Christians you want. You literally fly in like two days. I know. Yeah. Let me tell you how I feel about flying. <laughs> too many Christians want following Jesus to be a car ride. Yeah. I'll get um, off when sure. I feel like it Amen. instead of a plane ride. Like, no, you're in. You're in. Right? And and unfortunately... And if think, you jump, it's not going to be good. And I think the problem is we preach it that yeah, way, too, yeah. because the truth is you actually do have the right to get off that ride. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But and there's a consequence. Back. Yeah, and there's a consequence. But if we... Jesus never says, hey, you can do this as long as you feel like it. No, it's either you die 
You mm-hmm. want to follow me? Pick up your cross. Yeah. Yep. It's a final thing. And I was thinking about, so I, I, I still love flying, but there was a season where I was really afraid of flying. And it was right after my kids were born. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you don't want to die. You didn't want to leave them. That's right. Because now it's not just about me. Mm-hmm. And I still remember that we got on the plane and I'm like, once we get off the ground, I'm in it. Like, I don't, I'm, I, I, there's nothing I can do. So I just relax. Yeah. But up until we were in the plane and, and really it's that takeoff because it shakes. And I remember holding Indy the first time and being like, <sighs> okay. But then once, once we were in the air, I'm like, I'm in. I'm committed. I'm yeah. committed. Right. And it I wonder how many people, more. the problem is the story they want. Would you rather take a plane or a car? Yeah. And, yeah. and that's a, would you rather? And, and the thing is a plane you're in a car, you're in as long as you want to be. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this made me think about the first time I flew. It was the middle of winter from Iowa to Florida. Oh. And it's mm. like you get in this metal tube and life completely is transformed and changed around you. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. feel like that actually is a really great analogy yeah. of following Christ. Now, what's interesting is like your situation doesn't change just because you accept Jesus. But I'm just saying like your story can be flipped but, from December in Iowa to yeah. winter in Florida. You but, know? but what if you actually... What if you approached your story that way and saying, no, no, I'm in it. I'm in. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, in. I'm in. I'm all in. Like when you're on a plane, you're all in. Yeah. But yeah. you have a choice to get on the plane. You have a choice while you're, you're in the so, gate. Yeah. You're getting there. And, and that's the thing is in a car ride, I think yeah. car because we, it's, I could dive out of the car and I might survive. I'm not going to dive out of a plane and survive, right? But I think the challenge for us is some of us are in the wrong story. One, because we want to be. But two, we still want the choice. Yeah. And I wonder how many Christians are they living. The control. The control. That's right. That's the control. That's the choice. How many Christians are like, well, I'm going to be a Christian this moment, but I'm not this moment. I'm a Christian yeah. today, but tonight while well, I'm Sunday not drinking. Sunday through Friday. I'm, that's right. I'm a Christian. I want control to stop at this intersection, to get out and shop at this yeah. stop, to go back around because I forgot something instead of. Yeah. Nope, you getting on a plane with a pilot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you trust the pilot? It's, and there's going to be that. those hard times where you're like, I want to get off. Yeah. There's turbulence. When there's turbulence. Yeah. I hate the, the what? You took away the hot meal? There's no hot meals <laughs> no, left? Now no I took peanuts? Chicken? That's it? No peanuts? Chicken? No, no. What What are you flying on to <laughs> Florida? They're not serving chicken between here and Florida. You're you're flying the wrong. You're ritzy. I well, you're so bougie. I'm bougie. That's <laughs> yeah. why I'm poor, you guys. I'm, it's the airplane tickets. It's the airplane tickets. <laughs> uh, we're flying out at 2 a.m., by the way, from Sun Country, where we had to pay for our carry-on because it was so cheap. <laughs> well, I'm cheap. I'm excited for Sunday. Same. I'm excited for what God's going to do. And who knows how God wants to move in. And what I've been hearing so far, the last two series between this one and what was the last one called? I remember the last series. Awaken. Awaken. Oh, yeah. The thing that I've been hearing. (laughs) Yeah, the thing that I've been hearing and I'm praying that goes into as we come to the park in a week is that I'm hearing more and more people feel like are saying, it feels like our church is, God is stirring something in our community. And part of it, I think, is that story, but they're seeing the lives changed and yeah. and there is an excitement and an energy, but I don't want the excitement and energy to be for Zion. That's because yeah. of what God is doing in and through Zion. I think that if I, I've, we've heard it from a couple other people and I think we've had a conversation as staff members that we're starting to feel like we're seen as a place of healing. Yeah. That here you can come and encounter the one who heals. My favorite thing about our we should probably be done soon, but my favorite We're thing done about, after this, yeah. okay, about our church is that it actually is looking different. Like mm-hmm. the people look different. We have so many new people. It's so fun. Yeah, amazing. We do. That embodies what the body of Christ is supposed to be. Yeah. Different. 
Yeah. Well, hey, this has been the Breakthrough Breakdown. That was a great way to end. Breakthrough Breakdown, I'm Jason. I'm Kate. I'm John. Jennifer. I hope to see you on Sunday. I love you, Bob Goff. In the park. In the, in the park. Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion app. Share this episode with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another installment of the Breakthrough Breakdown.